Good morning, and welcome to the online radio voice of the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. We're here at the foot of majestic snow-capped Pikes Peak, and we're just about ready for Tom's World Language Cafe with Tom Alsop and guest of the day, Alan Garfinkel. We call him Alan out here in Indiana. He's one of our dear friends and friends to many, many teachers throughout the United States in world language. Uh, Alan, I, how are you today? I'm doing well, thanks, Tom. How about you? I'm good, thank you. Now, uh, Dr. Alan Garfinkel is the man that keeps you honest, right, Tom? He's the one that does all the work for you, makes you look good, is that right? Uh, uh, he, he does some work, yes, and uh, he, and he makes me look good sometimes. and uh, And... And sometimes I make him look good. So well, that's kind of a, it's an interesting a, it's a, team. It's a that's, good collaborative that's effort. That's the truth, yeah. So, but anyway, um, basically today what I'd like to do, we're going to talk to Alan about lots of different uh, themes about uh, his life and language uh, study and um, everything possible really related to uh, world language education. And it's a pleasure to have Alan because uh, I can't think of anybody who knows more about this subject than he does. Uh, because he spent uh, the great deal of his life dealing with the topics we're going to be talking about today. Alan, can you tell the listeners how you got interested in Spanish? Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long story, but uh, you, you and I are both old enough to remember the times when, uh, in the 60s when, uh, when people were very much worried about whether we were going to be uh, uh, hippies and beatniks. Now, neither of us were but they were very worried about it. And so they wanted to get us classified uh, quickly. And so uh, at every semester, some guidance counselor came up to us and said, what's your major? And uh, hmm, just like kids today, I didn't want to declare. And so every semester I'd say, unclassified. And uh, did that about three times and the fellow said, uh, well, uh, you got one more semester to tell me that, uh, and uh, then we're going to classify you. And uh, so came the uh, fourth semester, and uh, uh, he said, what's your major? And I said, unclassified. And he said, well, <laughs> you've got all A's in Spanish. You're a Spanish major. <laughs> and uh, that's how I became a Spanish major. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, where did you study? Undergraduate degree, graduate degrees, where was that at? Well, I started out at uh, University of Illinois uh, in Chicago, and at that time uh, they were uh, on the uh, on the Navy Pier in in Chicago. They didn't have the the, the big campus that they have nowadays. And, uh, and, and you did your graduate degree in... in uh, uh, foreign language education at where? Uh, that was the uh, <clears throat> well. Um, that was at Ohio State. And you studied with one of the great teachers of all time there. Who was that? I remember. Yeah. Well, I started out with Edward D. Allen. Yeah. Uh, but I, I finished with uh, Frank Otto. Mm -hmm. But but uh, and still a wonderful wonderful department there at Ohio State in 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 uh, foreign language education. Um, why do you think that it's important to study a world language? Because you spent your whole life dealing with this topic. 
why why is it important that people everywhere learn a language um, maybe, maybe the most important single factor about language learning is listening uh, and, and we share that with the with with music uh, so uh, both music teachers and language specialists uh, I think are listeners for the most part and uh, and that that comes over uh, into a few other areas of specialization. Uh, people who are talk therapists. I, <laughs> I married one, so I know uh, I see those people work. T tell us about your family a little bit now. You, uh, Sonia, your wife. Uh, That's my wife. Is right. In what area is she in? Well, she started out as an English teacher. Uh, then she. Uh, decided to raise the kids at home uh, and so uh, did some work uh, 10 years worth as an editor at, at home and uh, and then her third career was as a therapist uh, many uh, many people who have uh, uh, gone uh, to be patients of uh, of uh, psychiatrists know that often enough they divide their work they do the diagnoses and the uh, and the prescriptions, uh, and then uh, turn the rest of the work over to um, to a talk therapist, and that's the kind of work that my wife had done for a while. Now she enjoys the delight of being retired. Now tell us about your two sons and where they're at and what they're doing, because they both have really interesting jobs. Uh, I think so. Well, the important thing is that neither one is living in our garage. <laughs> But, um, uh, yeah, uh, the older son is a rabbi, and the younger son uh, is, uh, is a teacher. And uh, we're, we're proud of both of them. And he's a t high school teacher, I believe, in English, That's right? That's right. He's, a, he's, he's working in, in, one of the, uh, um, in, in one of the New York schools uh, established uh, first by uh, the Gates Foundation, uh, and so it's a model school, and uh, we're very proud of the work that he's doing there. That's now, uh, who are some of the people that uh, the undergraduate students, I suppose you remember some of your majors that were undergraduates, who went out into the field of teaching in high school. Do you remember some of those and some of your favorite people of all time that you had as students? Uh, I do, indeed. <clears throat> Uh, if I start naming them, uh, you're going to have about a 12-hour show. But <laughs> that's all right. But, uh, uh, the 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 thing the thing about it is that 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 if you're asking me about what the most important part of my career is, I think they are because they, of course, have had the largest number themselves of uh, of people to influence, and so uh, uh, they've been out there. Uh, in what uh, a friend of mine named Tom Alsop, do you know him? He talks about people in the trenches. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they they uh, shoveling away on a daily basis. It's in World War One. <laughs> <laughs> Did you fight there, Tom? No, I didn't. Not quite that old yet. Sorry, but anyway, <laughs> uh, one of the uh, other questions is: I know you you remember obviously too your. Um, uh, graduates in, in graduate school, the people who got their doctorates there with you at Purdue University in foreign language education, and that was like a list of who's who, right? Who are some of those people? 
Well, there's one I think I do remember by name. Uh, I think his name is uh, Daniel T. Alsop. You might know of him. <laughs> yes, I think I know him very well, yes. And I know you had some uh, other great uh, professor teachers there. Uh, who were some of the other ones? Well, there's Christine Campbell. She was the first one, uh, and uh, she, uh, of course, is now president of the AATSP. Uh, again, I don't want to get into naming individuals. Yeah, for right. one thing, yeah. I might forget one. Now, right. where where did she where did she end up spending most of her career? She's been at where now? The Defense Academy, the right? Defense Language Institute. I'm yeah, very proud of where right. it is. I am of all. Oh, I guess about thirty of them. Yeah. Now, Dr. Garfinkel, what was your major area of once once they decided to appoint you as a Spanish major? What did you decide to study? As a Spanish major, was there any specific area of interest that appealed to you at any point in your in your research projects? Mm. Uh, well, you mean as uh, your, your uh, doctoral research, for example? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I was I was very much interested in the power of radio as a teaching device, and uh, you're just the man that I need to uh, worship. At, uh, at <laughs> I don't know about that's that. That's a but convoluted I, uh, statement. I think uh, radio I is the way to go. Go ahead. In, in, I was very much interested in radio as a teaching medium, and so um, uh, what we did for the uh, uh, for the study was we created. A, uh, a a radio program, uh, and uh, and guess what we proved? We uh, we we, uh, I'm we designed all ears. the radio program. We designed the radio program and ran it for a while, and 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 we proved that uh, no one was hurt by the <laughs> by the. Uh, <laughs> now was that because no one was listening, or because the material? Uh, well, was, um, you know, since what we proved is that there were no significant differences uh, between uh, groups that listened to the program and those that didn't. I see. So you did a quantitative study then? Yes, that's what there was then. Uh, Wonderful. The qualitative just came back or, or appeared on the horizon uh, not too long ago, and now, now a lot of people are doing the both, the quantitative and the qualitative. But That's what, right. what kind right. of a what kind of a program did you create, Dr. Garfinkel? Was it a well, was it a talk show? Echo Espanol, and it was sort of a combination program that uh, that had elements of music and uh, and humor and um, uh, uh, cultural uh, elements. Uh. That's wonderful. And and how many people were involved in the creation of that program? I would say four or five of us. That's great. That is so good. We have the head of our Círculo de Español doing a radio program here, and he thoroughly enjoys that. And hopefully you'll tune into it one of these days because he's very involved in, in employing the uh, university community in, in the uh, listening as far as what's going on here on campus. So. That's a good thing. Well, one other pos positive I want to mention about Alan, that when he, uh, back uh, prior to his retirement, uh, which hasn't been very long ago, 
Uh, he would help many of us high school teachers by visiting the schools, supporting AATSP, supporting the Indiana Foreign Language Teachers Association, and he always was there to help teachers, especially at the secondary level and middle school level. And uh, contrary to some people in the co at the college level at that time uh, who uh, were not very helpful at all, and he always found a way to bridge the gap and to improve the articulation between all of these levels, high school, college, middle school, high school, and uh, motivate uh, many, many of us uh, to, to, to leadership positions. So a lot of people don't know that about Alan. I want to mention that for the listeners, that uh, one of the great leaders of all time, uh, for, especially for secondary education teachers in foreign language. Um, now, Alan, I have a little question for you. What makes a great language teacher? So you said, boy, to be a great language teacher, what, what three or four items are the top things that one can have? to be a great language teacher? Hmm. I think that the, I, 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 I think that the Gates Foundation is onto something with when they talk about what the, what the elements of great teaching are in, in general. Uh, academic rigor is vital. So you have to know your subject. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Right. Uh, uh, I think that uh, it's important to be able then to have the gift of being able to convince people that uh, that what you're doing in the classroom is meaningful, and so that's where we come into teaching and selling being uh, kindred items, and and then so so they're talking about when the Gates Foundation speaks, they're talking about the the issue of relevance, so rigor relevance and then their third idea is relationship uh, taking time to be able to establish a relationship uh, 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 which means uh, essentially listening to a student and uh, I mentioned before that language teachers tend to be good listeners uh, that's something that I noticed uh, since and before retirement because I've been very active with Rotary and I've been active with uh, programs that tend to give awards to teachers and uh, these programs that, are, that give awards to teachers uh, seem to have uh, a, a disproportionately high number of awards that go to language teachers and um, I don't find that surprising at all because language teachers naturally uh, listen to kids and so then kids naturally respond to those language teachers often picking them as their favorite teachers. I think that's and a those three R's Dr. Garfinkel are wonderful thoughts that are that are kind of making headway in my head as far as doing an article about the three R's of language study. Have you done anything like that before? Well, the Gates Foundation established them, so I don't know that I need to, but... Uh, I understand that. But I, I, as far as an article is concerned, have you ever considered doing something like that? An article on the three R's of language learning in foreign so language? 
well, I'd be I I wouldn't be very original. But <laughs> nothing <laughs> is. Nothing is original. Basically, we have about what is it, 49 topics that have been written about over and over and over again, and some of them are stellar, and some of them are not. But also, at, at this age, the writing I'm going to be doing is uh, with Tom Elsa. <laughs> oh, very but, good. That's okay. good. I, I have a, a which brings back to to the topic we we talk about. What's what, what's it like to write with Tom Elsa? All oh. right. Well, I've got to stop for a second because Alan brings this. It was really strange that in a way that he brings this up. But uh, the other day I was talking, and I one of the secrets to this show, if you've been listening to the show, is that we have a fun group of people, a wide variety of guests, and people who are leaders in the profession. But uh, so a little preview coming up, uh, some of our future guests, John D'Amato is going to be on the show. Uh, we're going to have uh, Madame Fifi, which is Sue Fenton, one of the great writers for French and an and idea person uh, in writing. And she's going to be on. And Lori Winnie's going to be on from the Ohio Language Camp this summer. So we have a lot of really neat people. In Bar uh, Barbara Reichenbach from Ohio University is going to be on. So a lot of uh, people who are going to share their thoughts. But the other day I was talking to Sue Fenton uh, about being on the show, and we were talking about language study. And, and she started talking, and the same thing Alan had just mentioned. She said it's so important that language teachers need to motivate students as to why it is important to study language that it's, it could be probably the most central thing about what our job is sometimes teaching, that we need to tell the kids, convince the kids, show the kids why it's important, be it through speaking, writing, reading, however, or a mixture of everything, culture. But we have to sell these kids on why study a, a, a language. And her thought was that we wouldn't be dropping languages maybe in, in schools if we were convinced the kids about this so it's something we got to be thinking about maybe we would have less uh, programs being dropped at some places if we focus more on the importance of studying languages sometimes and we can never underestimate how important that is in language study because uh, we cannot assume that everybody comes into class or they're going to understand by mid-semester why that why study a language that doesn't always happen without teacher intervention and tremendous uh, uh, motivation and promotion by the teacher uh, himself or herself so um, now the the next item today we were going to talk about was that is coming up uh, what is it like to write a book with Tom Alan <laughs> what is it like to write a book with Tom? I think Dr. Garfinkel and I will have a lot of common things to uh, share in this so. case. All right. So what is it like, uh, Alan? Well, it's a joy, I'll tell you that, because, I, you know, I, I, uh, the reason I come back to do it is, <laughs> is that I learn from it. But um, uh, I, I, I've been thinking of, as, as we've... Uh, as we've participated together in in writing, particularly these last two, the book on the subjunctive and the book on the uh, imperfect and preterite, uh, uh, you have a particular talent for uh, making use of uh, repetition, repetition that you have you have an absolute genius for. Uh, making people do repetition without realizing that they're doing it. 
And <laughs> that is really a fantastic talent because if people, you know, you're, you're not going to, uh, to learn to use uh, complex structures like imperfect preterite and subjunctive unless you do get some kind of repetition uh, done. You simply have to. Uh, but it's boring if you simply repeat the same thing constantly. And so uh, you've got to find a way to creatively and, if you pardon the expression, joyously do the same thing over and over again. And Tom's onto it. He's got <laughs> so, the knack. Uh, so does he use music or does he use rhyme scheme or does he use some kind of rhythmic magic to make that happen? Uh, yeah, there's some rhythmic magic in there, absolutely, yeah. And um, I know I uh, particularly liked his his uh, cheers that he gave to the cheerleaders in our one of the books that we wrote. And a lot of my students just love doing the cheers. They think they're great, and they're still learning the language at the same time. Well, that's exactly right. it, you know. Okay, so we're going to move on, and Alan is, is going to tell us a little bit about uh, Rhonda, uh, who is a, uh, a teacher in Indiana, high school teacher, and what she's doing with Facebook, right, Alan? Yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, the, qu the question before us is, uh, can Facebook be used in the class? And uh, uh, Rhonda Von Werder, just a few days ago, started up a, um, uh, a thing on Facebook. You're, you're welcome to search your own Facebook account and have a look uh, uh, and you might want to join her uh, her little circle of of activity. If you uh, uh, if you don't have a Facebook account, you can easily get one. You don't have to be 18 to have one. Um, and uh, <clears throat> Rhonda has a um, a Facebook um, circle of language teachers using Facebook. And one of the things that she um, one of the things that she called our attention to was an, uh, a Facebook article that uh, lists uh, particular cautions that teachers need to have in mind if they're going to use Facebook. I thought that was very valuable. Yeah. She didn't write it herself, but she, uh, as I say, called our attention to it. Uh, and what she's doing um, right now is... Um, um, uh, uh, gathering together groups of teachers who uh, wish to use Facebook and uh, 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 focusing our attention on the use of Facebook. So, Since the students are already on it, it wouldn't take that much time for them to just, or even ourselves, to plug into that as well. So that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. The... Um Alan, I know in Indiana, you can maybe mention some of the leaders in the foreign language profession over the last maybe 15, 20 years, some of the leaders. And then I'd like you to mention some also leaders in central states that you work with, because I know you were on the board of directors for central states, president of the Indiana Language Teachers Association. Uh, who were some of the leaders in Indiana and central states over the years? Well, uh, our our incoming uh, president of ACTFL is uh, is one of the people that I worked with on the board of central states, uh, and so uh, David McAlpine. Exactly. Yes. Right. And, uh, it was a pleasure to work with him there, and now uh, uh, being younger, he has. Uh, 
more tread on the tires than I did. <laughs> so, uh, so he'll be able to give more to the profession now. Who else do you remember from Central States? Oh gosh, well, who's who's still working now? Or no, not necessarily. You're testing the memory. <laughs> the stars in your galaxy. How's that? How about Oscar? Oh, by all means. Oscar, yeah. Oscar, Mary, Mary Carr, yes, Joe right. Thrush, um, Val, Valerie Babb, right? Indeed, and, yes, indeed. Wonderful people. Wonderful leaders. Right, right. Um, how about Indiana? Who were some of those Indiana people? Well, you know, of course, there's, uh, there's, there's a person who... Uh, well, who wrote textbooks uh, uh, also in Indiana, Deb Blaze. And, uh, in fact, I, I used some of her materials in my own methods class and uh, because uh, one of the things that was popular when I was teaching was, uh, and I imagine it still is, is the block schedule. And so her own, uh, her own textbook on uh, how to use block scheduling uh, uh, was useful when I was teaching. Uh, she has a number of textbooks that are useful and practical. And then Walter Bartz, right? Walter was another one. Oh, yes. Yeah, he was our state coordinator. And then Edra. Stop Edra Stafiri is still active in the Indiana Foreign Language Teachers Association, right. Mm -hmm. Now, where did you travel at when you were a student and later as a teacher? I know you were in uh, South most, America quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, most of my travel was after uh, I started teaching a methods course. And uh, um, it was an interesting thing. I was in Oklahoma State. That was my first job. And I really hadn't done a whole lot of travel until I started up as a professor. And um, it was interesting. I was teaching my methods course, which was based much on my work at Ohio State. And uh, there was a Chilean woman in my methods course. And she came up to me and, and she said, you're going to teach this methods course in Chile. And um, I said, I am. And she said, yes. And I guess what I didn't know was she was vice rector of the Catholic University of Chile. The, and uh, <laughs> she meant what she said because uh, very shortly went. thereafter I got an invitation <laughs> and uh, I taught the methods course in Chile. <laughs> well, Alan, there's something really interesting here. A lot of incoming teachers, a lot of novice people coming into the profession want to know what the secrets of success are for foreign language teaching. They want to know what the right method is, the right technique is, the right way of doing things is, and how would you guide them into finding that? I know that everybody, you know, we say in Spanish, cada maestrillo con su librillo. Everybody has his own secrets, but what would be some of the counsel that you would provide to a new teacher coming into the profession about what is the perfect technique oh goodness I don't think there is a perfect technique yeah and and I think to to uh, to think that there is one is to mislead oneself horribly so uh, you have to basically work within your own self and adapt as you can on the basis of who you really are I oh would think. absolutely not no. there is a perfect no. technique if you find what's right for yourself you, uh, you've certainly found something 
I'm going to pose a question here, Marge, uh, yeah. to you and Alan can chime in. Uh, at the Ohio conference last week, a uh, uh, Spanish teacher came by the booth. We were chatting, and she said, uh, she said, do you have any books on real Spanish and English? And I said, well, what do you think that is? And she said, well, she said, many of the textbooks today do not teach the kids the comparison of language enough. In other words, English to Spanish, too. And she said, do you think that should be a topic of issue? I said, I, I think you're absolutely right. And her thought was, she said, a lot of times students get, for new teachers, uh, that we, we get the kids talking and listening in language. But at what point are they able to do things and compare languages, which is one of the five C's, original five C's, comparison of language. And uh, so what is your thought about that? It, it, is there maybe too much emphasis on uh, the practicality and not enough on really getting down to the essential language part two that we need to bring that back a little bit? Uh, years ago, it was very popular. I'm not saying that we do it all the time, but maybe it needs to be a little more present sometimes. Uh, what do you think, Alan, about that? Well, when, when when there's an opportunity to make a comparison, I think it's it, it's certainly worthwhile. Um, when we teach the subjunctive, uh, uh, you know, there there are people who don't know that there is a subjunctive in English, and and uh, I see no harm in pointing out that there is one. Mm -hmm. What about that, Marge? Do you, do you deal with that some in your classes? Absolutely. That, uh, the Absolutely. kids get to the point where they can respond and they can say phrases in Spanish, but they can't write sentences. They they have a hard time. Uh, using this, what I would I would call comparison of language, to how would you write a really nice sentence in Spanish, and it becomes a problem, uh, maybe with the way the books are, are structured and uh, uh, the reluctance sometimes of publishers to change uh, things. I, I think we have a real dichotomy of 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 goal setting in language studies at this point in time. In the beginning, and I, you notice I don't say the lower levels. They're not lower levels, they're beginning levels. In the beginning levels, we have a need to learn the structure and to do many conversations on certain things. And then all of a sudden, after about three semesters of a study of language, then it's expected that people uh, be able to discuss great literary, literary concepts. And th th there's, there's a need oh. for a bridge system that that spans those two areas of, of expertise that really is, in many cases, not available to students. We're giving them the rules and regulations. We're teaching them the dance steps in the initial courses, but we're not teaching them the ballet. And in the latter area, we expect them to be able to dance uh, at the Bolshoi, and it doesn't work. So we have to find the secret, in my opinion, of bridging that gap. And Alan, I think I saw you shake your head there. Yeah, uh, do you sure. agree with that? Well, it makes perfect sense. You're, you're, not, you're not going to uh, you're not going to work at advanced levels unless you show people how. Exactly right. And there is there is a dichotomy there. So the book needs to be written. And maybe you and Tom are the folks to do that book. 
since you since you have the time and the inclination to talk in terms of how to make a comparison of language really cogent for a teacher as well as a student for example if my students say we don't have subjunctive in english i say oh be that as it may yes i think so <laughs> i think we do that's the subjunctive mm. oh is it really yes and we used to use the subjunctive just as we used to use table linen and we used to use real forks and metal spoons and knives and silverware we don't do that anymore we have we have become a plasticized society that has thrown out the subjunctive and has also forgotten about the niceties of language because we're too busy cutting corners the well. spanish have the greatest way of not cutting corners and being much more precise than right. you could ever be in english but here, in this century the, anyway here's another topic and that is you're changing is my topic Correct, a little bit. Uh, but what we're talking about has to do with articulation, too, a lot with articulation. So let's say we're talking about beginning classes uh, at the high school level or college level, intermediate classes, high school, college, AP classes, literature classes, or conversation classes in the 300 level in college, whatever. So through all of this, is there really articulation going on? In, 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 in the universities themselves, in the high schools themselves, in between middle school, high school, between uh, the level one, two teachers in college, level three, four, upper levels, is there articulation? Is that part of our problem here, that we aren't communicating enough, maybe, uh, and, or are we doing too much, perhaps? I think it's been a problem since time immemorial. We use that word, we try it, we take little pieces of the challenge more than the problem and try to address them but we have to continue putting all of those pieces together in a puzzle and we just haven't gotten it done yet for years we've been talking about articulation and i don't see it happening as as it should be in in real cogency and real robust stratagems that should be placed on the table for everybody to learn well that's my take on it and i think you're correct and in, in what's happening i think sometimes is that we get Everybody gets caught up in the in the technology, uh, 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 what would we call it, technology uh, uh, the game, the technology game. We call it a game of, of using technology, whatever. But it's technology game, and we we get into all these technology, we get into new ideas, but we forget sometimes the basics of things. And I think language study lends itself to the basics. We always got to keep things somewhat simple, a little bit and basic. And then well, one of the items that comes to mind is articulation. How can we improve this? How can we do better with comparing languages? How can we talk to a different level teacher and say, hey, you know, maybe we're, we're doing this too quickly. Maybe we, we need to be able to communicate better. And how can you improve that, Alan? What do you think? Well, uh, it's the it's the college level teacher that has some time uh, available to uh, be more in communication. I mean, I know what the schedule of the of the high school teacher is like, and I know what the high school and I know what uh, what the uh, what the college level is schedule is like, uh, 
it seems to me that there's more flexibility available at the college level for some kind of participation uh, with the high school. Um, you got it. That's do, the secret. Do, do, well, let me That's ask one of the secrets. Exactly yeah. right. Do, do your teachers at the University of Colorado, or did the teachers at Purdue, did they go out and visit the high schools uh, a lot? Many of ours have. Were they, were yes. they, are, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, what we're setting up here is a blame game, and I don't no, want no. to do that. No, 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 no. We're not That's setting not it. it. No. I well, think it's basically to make yeah. collaboration uh, a multi-dimensional right. edifice where yeah. students from the junior highs and senior highs visit the high schools, which we do, and our high school people teach in the elementary schools and in the uh, junior high schools as well. Yeah. And yeah. that's basically wonderful, but it has to be an ongoing thing. Right. But, it has to be I, put I into... Think what we're going to have to do is... is uh, do something with the reward schedule in the in the university right you know, can you define that define reward schedule well uh, reward schedule what's in it for me if i do uh pay attention at uh, to the uh good question uh, to, the, to the high school situation because just to simply say uh, <laughs> yes, that's a great great point we get credit for yeah. it i at our place uh, now we give we we give college credit because it's it's no, actual. No, no, no. I mean uh, for the for the professor. I mean yeah. as a as an assistant professor, what do you get if you pay more attention to what's going on in the high school? There should be an, a reward for it. Yes, uh, that that should I definitely agree with that. But because right now, if if you if you uh, pay a lot of attention to what's going on in the high school, the reward you're going to get is fired. Mm -hmm. so, not I, that's not that's not a universal truth, but I think it could be uh, the case in, <laughs> in several places. We have four minutes left, gentlemen. So right. what I, I would I, like I, to ask you I, is, what's the next step for both of you? Uh, well, I'm going to ask Alan the question quickly to comment on his stamp collection. Now tell everybody quickly about your stamp collecting. Oh well, I've been adept. Uh, I've been addicted to collecting those little gummed bits of paper for since the age of twelve, and I think they do fit into uh, into my uh, uh, work with language teaching. Uh, uh, um, but <laughs> maybe they don't. Now, you know, well, they do. It's history. It's culture. It's everything. Yeah. You know somebody at Barcelona you can deal with, right, with stamps in uh, Barcelona? Oh, well, yes. There's this, um, if you, uh, you want to do some, uh, uh, well, you know, if, if anybody's interested, there is a large uh, group of, uh, uh, of people uh, that people can contact you, Tom, and you to me, and we can find you a, an Internet link of, people that uh, right now uh, I, I want you to tell a joke right they ask Alan loves to tell jokes we have family. one minute to tell a joke okay joke here we go one minute to tell a joke right well what uh, sort of a twisted proverb that I picked up in Chile and okay. it's uh, uh, no dejes para mañana lo que puedes dejar para pasado mañana <laughs>
I like that joke. What that means, Alan, in English, what's it mean? Oh, don't put off till tomorrow what you can put off till the day after tomorrow. That's very good. Now, did Cervantes? Did Cervantes? Decided to put it off for another week. Good. I'm not going to do my Cervantes today. I left it to to Miguel Garfinkel. Miguel Garfinkel. That's wonderful. Cervantes para hoy, okay? Have a uh, wonderful day, gentlemen. We have to hang up. Yes, because and everybody we've got have a great week, week and we'll this was see a you joy. in two weeks. Thank Looking you very much. Looking forward to reading your, your doctoral thesis, Alan, yes. because it's right up the alley of Tom's World Language Cafe. Yes. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much, and thanks to UCCS for putting You're show You're You are listening to radio.uccs.edu. Y con el tiempo yo sabía